The following program is produced by the Tech Talk Radio Network. All right, people, break out your notebooks and pencils and slide rules. You're listening to Tech Talk Radio with true geeks. And by the way, I'm D. Snyder, and I'm a geek, too. Welcome to another episode of Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeird. And uh, Justin is out today. He's out. He Spring had to go- break. <laughs> That's what everybody's saying. Well, he went to what Panama City, Florida. Saying it's a work trip, but I think it's. You think it's spring a, break? A, a, I think it's guys. <laughs> anyway, it's probably just as good because we we kind of wanted to kick off the show talking about the big event that happened earlier this week. Of course, we're talking about Apple's peak performance. They called it peak performance, but they spelled it you know P E E K like they were giving you a peak at what's available. Some of this stuff is available, going to be available next week, right? Yeah, it'll be available on the 18th. It's nice that Justin's not here because he'd be all poo-pooing about <laughs> Apple and all this stuff. So, so I can hear it now. We came up with that in Android first. Android first. <laughs> but, you know, it's it, this wasn't really a, op, you know, an operating system, you know, not, a, not an iPhone operating system event, right? This was a hardware event. We got sneak peeks at the new iPhone. Mm-hmm. Which is... Uh, they're calling it the iPhone SE. We a lot of people thought they were gonna just call it the SE three or, uh, but it's the SE, but it features the A fifteen. It's the top chip that's in the, the iPhone thirteen Pro and the iPhone thirteen. I think the iPhone thirteen Mini has the fourteen in it still. So they announced the new phone. They announced new colors. They announced two new green colors for their phone backs. I'm not a big fan of the green, but yeah. you know, to, it's not terrible. But it's just not for me. But yeah. a lot of people like green. So. But then we got a peek at their uh, new silicon chip, which uh, we've talked about the silicon chips before. Apple dropped Intel just over about a year ago now to start their own chips. They started with the M1, and then they launched the M1 Pro and the M1 Max. And for this hardware event, they dropped the M1 Ultra. Now, it had been rumored that they were going to drop the M2. Yes, a lot of people uh, thought. Because there were some leaks that purportedly showed it having an M2 chip. Um, but uh, they only announced the M1 Ultra, M1 Ultra, which is available in. I'm assuming it's going to be available in the, the Mac Pro, the new Mac Minis, the new MacBook Pros, but also oh, the and Mac I, Studio. Mac Studio. This makes honestly, and I've used the Macs. I've used the Mac before, uh, and I, I liked the iMac, and I, I liked it. But I'll tell you, this Mac Studio looks pretty impressive. Yeah, the Mac Studio. I'm. I'm I thought it was going to be something a little different, like some, I don't know, some sort of hardware interface for a Mac, not a whole new Mac, which uh, I was really impressed by. And it's, it's small. It's only seven and a half, 7.7 inches wide. So it will fit on your desktop. It's, it's it's smaller than, I mean, it's just, it's not that big. It's like, it's, it's almost like, if you look at it, you might think uh, a double stacked Mac mini. I mean, really? Yeah, that's. It, I thought that's what it was at first. It was like a, a Mac Mini Pro, right? Right. But no, it's the Mac Mini Studio, which is really cool. So it it, it uses their M1 Ultra. Well, it looks like they're going to have two models. They'll have one that is using a lower price model that is using their M1 Max, and then they've got their their you know top of the line, which is going to be using their M1 Ultra. Now, one of the things that I know, Sean, about these processors is how they kind of work with graphics when it comes to video. Can you kind of explain that a little? CPUs are also integrated with their GPUs, right? So you don't have to have a separate video card, a graphics card, right? So right. Their, their CPU, it's called, a, it's, it's their, they're calling it integrated memory. 
where the CPU and the graphics card will share memory across themselves. Well, isn't that and, kind of isn't that kind of like what we did before when you you had a system and you didn't have to you know get yourself a graphics card? You use yeah, the integrated integrated in, yeah. yeah integrated graphics. Yeah, we still do we, very, st we still do that with audio quite a bit. Yeah, we it's still fairly popular on some of the middle tiers of you know AMD's and Intel processors too, um, but it's just you can't get as much power out of those, right? So whatever Apple has done with these silicon chips has really ch kind of changed the game in terms of being mobile and having good graphics qualities. So their top-of-the-line studio is going to have 64 gigabytes of unified memory. So that means uh, pretty that's impressive. Me that's memory. Like uh, I, the computer I just built is 32, 32 yeah. gigabytes. And then it's going to have a separate – it has a separate graphics card that has 6 gigabytes of memory. So with this – with the studio, you're getting 64 gigabytes that will be shared not only with the graphics processor to do certain tasks. If you're doing video editing, I'm sure it's going to tap more into that memory, but you still have a lot of operating memory to use your actual, you know, Mac studio. Yeah, no, it's it's really cool. And I think the standard uh, for Ethernet connections is going to be 10 gig, right? So this was this offers you a 10 gig Ethernet port, which is is it's impressive for network storage and being able to connect to a network that allows you to do 10 gig transfer speeds. Right. So, you know, there, it's not like there's a middle ground where it went from one to five to 10. There's either hundred, hundred megabit, one gigabyte, or now 10 gigabytes. So in the video world, that's insanely impressive. And I, for me, for what I do, having a 10 gig port on a, computer is is going to be insane because the amount of video I'm going to be able to push through this. If, if I built a, an, you know, using NDI or some other video platform, the amount of input and output I can do with that increases significantly from one gig connection. So obviously that's, that's why, cool. That's why they've gave it the, the name studio, because I think this is going to be used for graphic artists, uh, audio designers, and those that are in the video world. That are shooting oh, a lot of yeah. video. It, it will definitely be used for that. And, you know, with the, the number of d companies and developers that are doing both Mac or Windows-based systems is growing. Um, I think it's hard to find companies that aren't. But in the broadcast world, you find that it's you have to have a Windows PC for this or you have to have a Mac for that or either. Um, so certain things that I'm trying to do, I'd love to be able to get one of these studios and see what I could do with it because um, I just think it'd be incredible. But... They listen to the community, which is it's something you don't see very often these days where a company actually took honest feedback and said, what do you guys want? Right. Because what do you see on the front of this? You see an SD card slot right on the front of this studio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can break, you know, flashcard media has evolved to most, most everything is a, is a standard of it's a regular SD card, right? Capacities have grown, speeds have grown. So you've got this SD card slot. You've got two USB-A uh, two USB A's on the back, so you could plug into your normal peripherals. But then you've got four USB, ten gigabyte USB C ports on the back, which I thought was incredible, and two additional USB C's on the front. So you've got six USB C connections, which, according to the the keynote that we just watched on the the studio, the ones on the back are ten gigabit a piece. Yeah, meaning you can connect other devices to that storage and get 10 gigabit connections. 
But what they also said is that the Thunderbolt outputs will do 96 or 94, 96 watts of power, meaning you can charge your MacBook from the from the display or from the Mac Studio. So, so if you, you have, connect- so if, if you use the Mac on the road and you come back and you've taken, you've done all your your rend, you want to do your rendering. You have your, you know, maybe your, because yeah, I have, I have a 4K camera, a JVC, and it doesn't. They don't use tape anymore. They use SD cards, SDXC cards. And, you know, you plug those in. And so when you come, you you unplug it, you don't have to connect the camera now to that. You could just take that SD card, pop it into your your Mac Studio and transfer your your info so you can start editing it. I mean, that's that's pretty amazing. And I I did just misspeak there. I did say that the studio provided the power over those USB-Cs. It's not the studio. It's actually the Mac display, the new Mac Retina display that provides the power over those USB-Cs. Which they're calling... They're calling the the Mac Studio, right? I mean, what are they calling the display? I think it's just called the the new cinema display, or uh, I didn't studio see the display. Name it. Studio they just display. called it the display. Yeah, yeah the, studio the studio display, display. which it, in itself is impressive. And if you want to read the details on those, just go to the Apple website, check that out. But, but you see, most okay. of these things, I'm I'm looking like right now. I've been looking at a Samsung 49 inch curved monitor because I have two 27 inch monitors on my desktop, which are Eh, they're the most basic ones I could get at the time, but they work good because I can drag and drop and I can move from one screen to the other screen. I've got them set up in that mode. I have a two head graphics card. So, you know, one, one uh, monitor is powered by one part of that graphics card. The other monitor is powered by the other part of that graphics card, but it's a lower end graphics card. It's a, maybe a 760 two head and it's cool. But the problem is, is, you know, I would like to have, a better graphics card in that machine. So the the thought was, well, just go ahead and go with a 49-inch curved, and then I've got all that landscape that I want. That monitor alone is uh, $1,000. I've been looking at it. It's $1,000. And, you know, you can basically do the same thing you could with two monitors. But I'm looking at this studio display, and even though it's only 27-inch, it like handles quite a lot of extra duties beyond that and has a great looking display as well. Yeah. And they allowed you, they have three different mounting options. They've got your standard where you can just tilt it forward, up and down. They've got a articulating arm that you can bring it up, bring it down, tilt it and go back and forth. And then they are offering a VESA mount. So you can use any of your existing vase, vase, not VESA, VESA mounts, um, so if you already have arms on your desk or if you already have base amounts that you've used, you can use those. Um, there's no pricing on the different mount styles yet. Yeah, I know that, that Apple had that $1,000 mount option for their previous studio display. So we'll see where that goes. But um, if you're seriously looking into working in the Mac architecture uh, in that world, this is I think this is a big event. I think the studio is a, is a huge leap. Uh, some of their statistics were a little out there. I think, you know, you were like 80, thinking time, that's... 80 times faster than some of the i9 processors. I mean, that's a stretch. Yeah, but... We were we were watching it together and he'd go, yeah, that's a stretch. Yeah, that's a little too much. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's not I don't think it's too much, but it's 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 pretty bold for them to say. I mean, they're really stepping on Intel saying, you know, they're really trying to prove to their to their base that. In, we're better than Intel and we're 
exceeding expectations significantly. So. Isn't this the reason, though, that um, they kind of left Intel? You know, Intel, they showed previous benchmarks using Core i9, and, you know, it was like their, their benchmarks are blowing away what Intel had previously been supplying to them. Um, isn't that why? Because they didn't feel that Intel was moving fast enough. I mean, I don't know. It's you got to look at it from Intel. Intel has a customer base to serve, right? They're CPUs, and they're their own company, so they have their own five-year plan, their own ten-year plan, that kind of thing. And I just don't think it aligned with what Apple wanted. I think Apple was looking for more integration between the CPUs and the GPUs, and I don't think Intel wanted that. I think Intel was still to, to building on the needing the discrete graphics cards to, you know, lower power processors because they just were relying on GPUs to do the work independently from the processors. So I think Apple just said, you know what, we have to go our own way, and they did it, and they're killing it. I mean, I've used a couple of the M1 machines. I've used an M1 Mac Mini. I've used an M1 MacBook. Uh, I have not used uh, any of the new iPads that run the, the new 50, you know, the Bionic chips and stuff. But I, maybe because it's new and it's, oh, it's faster, right? Because you yeah. get it in your hands and it feels faster. And it's kind of that placebo effect that it's new, so it must be faster. But significantly faster, I think, for running applications, switching between applications. It just, everything seems more seamless on the M1s. And so I'm excited to see what the Ultra brings. Um I should be getting my new work laptop here pretty soon, which is going to be the M1 Pro MacBook. Right. Um, so I'm excited for that because there are certain applications that we use that don't have Windows-based, or th that only use Windows-based applications, but they have iOS apps. Right. And you can run iOS apps natively on the M1 chip. So I will be able to use those applications without having to go back to a Windows version of something to do it so I'm excited to see how that goes. So, you know, it's they're kind of distancing themselves a little bit more from Windows. You know, when they're kind of getting back to that big separation where they had before, where you were either Mac or you were Windows. Yeah, I'm a Mac. Not, I'm not, a PC. Yeah, they're, they're not playing nice again, right? So, we'll see. But I, I think I'm, I'm kind of wondering though, like for somebody listening that has been using a PC for so long, and maybe they're in the market for a brand new. PC or a new computer, I should say. And they're looking and, you know, you might walk into one of the big box stores or even the membership stores and you might find a system for around $1,600. That's got a lot to it. It could do a lot. But then you look at what is available now that, that Apple is going to be selling with this new, you know, uh, studio. And you think that, wow, the studio one can do a lot. But yeah. I mean, the price is thirty-five. What's starting at thirty-five hundred, or is well, going yeah. to so be? So they had two options, right? They had the one with with, uh, with sixty-four gigabytes of unified memory, and then one with a something one hundred twenty-eight gigabytes of unified memory, or something stupid. It was crazy. And the price points, I think, during the during the event, I was watching. I was like, oh, they're going to have a twenty-eight hundred dollar option, and they're going to have a four thousand dollar option. Well, it's pretty close. Yeah, they had a twenty-four ninety-nine option for their lowest studio version, which is the M1 Ultra up to eight terabytes of solid state memory or solid state storage. And then the, the 64 gigabytes of unified memory. And then their biggest option, I think it was somewhere between 128 gigs of unified memory 
but that was a thirty nine ninety nine, so a four thousand dollar option. I thought so, that the was the one, the one was sixty four, but I might be wrong. So I, I don't remember what the I numbers know the, were. It, the monitor, the actual, uh, you know, the studio d- display was going to be at fifteen ninety nine. Yeah, fifteen ninety nine, which which I was expecting it to be significantly higher than that. Yeah, we thought it was going to be around twenty twenty five hundred. And yeah. that was like, whoa, okay, that's not bad. So I think there you're getting a, a great value for money with the with the studio, um, and I think their next hardware event, which it will be the next earlier in the fall, they'll probably announce the M2 chip. Um, but if you go, if you're looking for a computer right now, and you're looking to spend less than a thousand dollars. And you want something that can browse the web, play decent video games, and do you know do some some intensive work? Look into the Mac Minis. You can get an M1 Mac Mini for seven hundred fifty bucks, I think, right yeah. now. So it's it's but that, absurd that be, how that shouldn't that be for somebody who's who's familiar with the Mac interface? Because a lot of people right. are gonna they, if they go out and they get that, and they've been using a PC for the last ten years, they're gonna be like, uh, what what do I do? How do I yeah, do I I could see that being confusing, but again, what does Windows 11 look like? <laughs> Good point. I never even so thought if about that. If you're buying a new PC, you have the option of Windows 10 or Windows 11. If you're getting Windows 11, you might as well just go to a Mac because it's almost the same interface. It looks it looks the same. The Everything from the, the center, and the whole bit, yeah. Yeah. So uh, you know, like I said, Windows and Apple are they're they've always been fighting where you've seen. Apple changed the design to look more like Windows, and Windows changed the design to look more like Apple. You've seen that. <laughs> but then you throw in, you know, it's like uh, we're telling all these people, like, you have, you have Mac, you have Windows, or you have PC, right? There, there right. are other options besides Windows or Mac, right? There is also Linux, right? which yeah. there are generic versions of Linux. There are many, many different distributions of Linux, but there are several that are very easy to use that are very user-friendly and look similar to either Mac or Windows. So, um, But if you're looking for a good, performing, standalone, don't have to worry about upgrading the hardware until you're ready to move on to another machine, Mac Minis are probably your best bet. Right. But no, don't you at that point need to then buy a separate keyboard, separate mouse? Uh, will you find Yeah, you, that- you would have to, like, the Mac Mini, if you go and buy a Mac Mini, it's not going to come with a keyboard, it's not going to come with a mouse, it's not going to come with a display, right? But your HDMI display that you have now will work. You're, you could use a Windows keyboard on a Macintosh, right? It's not the end of the world, and any mouse is going to work. So you're not limited to peripherals when you buy a Mac Mini, but... Um, I don't know. I just think I just think for somebody who is looking for a good, I I need small space, and they're, if they're not too worried about changing from a win, from a Windows, a Mac Mini is is by far the the, the best option. That is a it's not a bad idea. Uh, my biggest problem though is if I say I looked at this studio design and I thought, wow, you know what, I really want this, um, and I decide to go this route. You know, I'm I'm I use I use Premiere Pro. Um, and I know there's video editing programs. A Final Cut, people have always told me, well, Final Cut looks a lot like Premiere, so you're pretty much, you're going to be fine there. Um, you know, the thing is, then you've got to look at your investment in software. What where, what have you been versed in that you're suddenly going to have a new learning campaign? And you're right about Windows 11. Windows 11 is kind of a new learning curve for a lot of people when they finally upgrade. Did I, did I tell you what Microsoft did? 
They decided to put a little uh, weather widget down in the bottom left-hand corner where the start button used to be. So now it's really frustrating because you accidentally, because you, by, by choice, when you use Windows, you'll want to go over there to the left side. And all of a sudden, boom, this big pop-up comes up telling you the weather in the news. I'm like, ah, oh, go away. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. I mean, every operating system, and that's what I like about Mac is they're not, they're just Mac, right? If you yeah. go and you buy a PC, you're buying HP, you're buying Dell, you're buying CompuWare, you're buying whatever, all these other different places, right? Acer, they, yeah. they all have their own ads to sell. They've got their own bloatware to sell. They've got their own, right? With Mac, you don't get any of that. Right. Which is nice. But it's a different it's a different environment to work in, right? But it's very user intuitive. I think it's very easy to learn. Um and yeah, you have like like you said with software, you have to look back, right? But then again, all these companies, Adobe and the other, you know, Black Magic with, with DaVinci Resolve and Sony Vegas and all these companies, right? They've developed for both platforms now. Yeah. So if you're in the video editing world, you're kind of not limited to one or the other. It's it's what is your architecture already built in? What are your users comfortable with? That kind of thing. So yeah, there are gonna be things that you would have on a PC that you're not gonna get on a Mac. Sorry, you're not gonna be able to play Spider Solitaire, okay? <laughs> so now so if you're but if you are going to invest in the the Mac studio, right? You're then going to be looking at number one, uh, that's say, say that's thirty five hundred dollars of the one you get, right? Then you get the studio display, the screen, a twenty seven inch monitor. Then that's going to set you back another fifteen hundred on top of that. But then maybe you do want two displays. You can, I mean, uh, you could certainly do it. They've got the the infrastructure. As a matter of fact, uh, Apple was kind of touting that you can have a you can have a four K screen, and you can have four four monitors on there. So say you want to do that. That's an extra 1500 if you stick with the studio display, which you're probably going to want to do. And then a 4K. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the studio is obviously for the the creative genius who is doing this for work, right? I yeah. don't think the studio, the studio is for the professional and the, 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 the prosumer level of work, right? You've got the money, by all means, get the studio, buy the top end studio. Yeah. But they're, they've, they've, kind of made it they've kind of made that push of buy what you're comfortable spending and they've kind of tailored it to a it's just a little bit more than i'd want to spend but it's going to be good enough right so i think they've hit that price point and you don't have to buy the apple display right the apple display just gives you functionality in and out of being able to connect other peripherals and other storage devices right but for the for the grandma or the grandpa or the mom or dad who just want a small form factor PC, I'm going to spin this right back around again. To the Mac mini? To the Mac mini. Yeah. Because you just plug it into a small HDMI screen. You probably already have a monitor at home for a computer, right? Yeah. An HDMI monitor. You probably already got one. So you could use that. Or if you've got a computer that uses a DVI input, buy an HDMI to DVI converter. They're cheap. Yeah. Don't think you you don't have to buy a new display you don't have to buy new peripherals they will work with these computers you just it's just it's just working and i I, i've this has been said before but apples just work yeah and they're reliable for a long time 
I know that some people in the PC community get upset when peripherals, uh, onboard peripherals of the computers are not user upgradable, like the RAM and some, some new storage options and stuff. But PC motherboards are going the same way nowadays. Yeah, they the smaller are. form factor PCs are starting to do that. Soldered on memory, soldered on storage. Well, it's, more in the laptop, in the laptop division is where you right, see Right, in that. the laptop division, yeah. Yeah, it used to be you could you could upgrade a laptop so many different ways. Hard drive, memory, uh, all kinds of features. And now you you buy a laptop for under $500, you're pretty much, that's what you got. You're really not going to be able to go anywhere with it. I, I do like it. I think that's that was probably the biggest announcement for me. I mean, yes, the, you know, the M1 Ultra chip, uh, is pretty amazing if it can do what it does. Don't forget the rendering. For anybody that's done video, when you're finished and you need to render it into a project, that could take forever on a PC, depending on your PC. With the this new studio design, it's it's going to be pretty amazing stuff with the Mac Studio. Yeah, so. I, I think the Apple event hit it right on the nose. I think from their last Mac hardware event to this one, they make it made a huge step. I, I feel like they're just really, really jumping ahead in terms of um, their chip architecture for their new silicon. So I'm excited to see what the next two years brings in terms of Mac silicon um, and kind of what that is. Um, and I don't think we'll ever see a, there's never been a Apple video card, right? It's always just been either integrated or yeah. they've been using AMD for the longest time for their graphics cards. So, but just seeing how their chips are going to integrate both graphics and processing together. Um, and I'm excited to see where it goes. We have to take a break, but we have a special guest standing by. Um, there is a new show on ID Channel. Uh, the show is called Undercover Underage. And they go undercover. Uh, and it's not done from a script. It's, it's basically a reality show. Uh, and it was all started by a woman by the name of Rue Powell. And Rue has uh, created an organization uh, safe from uh, online sex abuse. And it's amazing how many predators are out there. And, you know, this is a discussion, and you may think, oh, I don't want to hear, hear that. But it is discussion about the safety online. And I think it's important, just as I think the show is important, uh, uh, and how you watch this show and what you could gain from it, whether you're telling your kids about it, whether you're telling your your uh, grandkids about it, or where you just want to know how, what kids are being affected by when they're online. The online is a, online world is a great place. I know Rue, Rue loves technology, but it can also be a scary place. So definitely you want to tune in for this one. We'll talk with Rue Powell from new show Undercover Underage. That's coming up on Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeird. Catch us on the web, techtalkradio.com. Now back to Tech Talk Radio. This is Danny Trejo, and you're listening to Tech Talk Radio. And you better keep listening or I'll come look at you. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. So I, I got to tell you, one one of the things that is a constant in my household is Investigation Discovery, ID Channel. It's on all the time. And it was a, a little while ago, I started to see an ad for a show that was coming our way called Undercover Underage. I remember saying, I, I think this show is going to be really important. It's not a show where they tell you stories of crimes that have happened in the past and, you know, the methods to uh, uncover the criminal in this one. This is a show that shows a team working together to kind of stop, to really try to stop some of the dangerous child predators that are out there. And I, I knew right away when I talked about this on the radio 
that I would say this is not a show that you would watch with your kids. This is a show for parents to watch, to absorb, and learn what is going on out there. And uh, the person behind the show with her great team is Rue Powell. And I got to say, I am honored to have Rue Powell on the show. Thank you, Rue, for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. We're three episodes in. Another episode uh, airs on Thursdays, of course, on Investigation Discovery. Tell us, you know, where did this idea come from to actually take what you were doing with Sosa to make this a show? Um, I never expected this to be a show. And a production company reached out to me and said, you know, we'd love to follow you around and film the work that you do. And immediately, I my, my knee-jerk reaction was, I don't know that that's a good idea. Yeah. And then they made a really good point, and they said, you work so hard to raise awareness. Imagine doing that with a million people every week. And, and that's really what hooked me, because you'll see on, in Undercover Underage that we are going after specific perpetrators, but more than going after online predators one by one, um, I really think what's going to move the needle with online predation is awareness. And I'm really glad that Undercover Underage is able to do that. Do you find, Rue, that many parents have no idea that their kids are having conversations sometimes with, with adults and these adults uh, are preying on them? I don't think that parents in general realize the pervasiveness of online predation. And I think that's because it's relatively new. Snapchat's only been around for a decade. You and I didn't grow up with smartphones in our hands. Um, And so this generation of kids is really the first generation of kids with smartphones. I mean, the iPhone came out in, what, 2007. So it's brand new territory and, you know, we need to kind of shift the way that, you know, society has been parenting. So I don't think they realize how easy it is for someone to target a kid online either. It's not about, you know, being a good kid or being a smart kid or being a kid that needs attention. It's not about any of those things. It's the fact that these predators are seasoned, seasoned manipulators, and they are very coercive. Well, uh, the organization that you created, uh, Safe from Online Sex Abuse, otherwise known as SOSA, uh, how long has that been around and what was kind of the spearheading to create this organization? Had you heard of stories where children had been victimized this way? So I have been a career-long writer and I've long cared about advocacy, particularly child advocacy. Um, so I have gone to Southeast Asia to write about human trafficking. I've written about, you know, poverty, uh, refugee crisis, child wellness, that sort of thing. And then I was running creative for a tech company, and we were seeing predation happen online, you know, just um, tech safety company. And I really believe in my heart that people did not know exactly what was going on. And I could just, if I could just screen grab one of these conversations, screen grab how malicious this is, and just put it on a billboard, I think parents would, you know, immediately understand what's happening. I ended up writing a piece uh, while I was at that tech company about predation, and it went viral, and I ended up doing some press on, like, Good Morning America. And then after that, I realized this is the area that I really want to focus on. So um, I took some time to kind of study what uh, nonprofits are like. I've always been in a for-profit industry, and I, yep. I joined the board of a, of a child wellness nonprofit, and I felt like that gave me some experience so I could start SOSA. We're, we're talking with uh, Rupal, of course, uh, Undercover Underage is the show. It airs on Discovery. You could stream it if you have the Discovery app as well. 
Uh, but uh, it's definitely one not to miss. If you're a parent and you're wondering, gosh, what what is going on with the kid? And we think, you know, we think we tell our kids. I got to tell you, Rue, back in the 90s when AOL, remember AOL chat? You had chat rooms. And oh, the, yeah. Your whole bit. I remember my daughter was, I want to say maybe 13 or 14. And she would go and she'd be on the computer all the time. Now, I was a tech guy. So I, you know, I was like, oh, I, I know what I'm doing. I know it's safe. She's She's okay. And one day at the house, Rue, we got a dozen red roses for her. And I I remember saying to my wife, number one, number one, who, what 14-year-old, if it's the same age, is going to be able to send her a dozen red roses from Florida? Uh, and we lived in California. Oh, no. So we put the kibosh on that pretty quick. And it was rough because, you know, we had to pull the, pull the technology, have the discussions. Uh, I even had a friend that was in law enforcement come over. And really, even law enforcement was kind of unaware, like, how to deal with it. Law enforcement has really been kind of a, a good backbone for what you're doing by catching some of these predators. Yeah, I mean, we do work in tandem with law enforcement. And, you know, anytime we put a decoy in a city, we have uh, law enforcement buy-in. So there are no surprises. Um, yeah, I mean, I was a teenager in the 90s also. And I remember when someone told me that they were also 13. I was like, great, new friend on the Internet. Not realizing how manipulative that some of these people could be. And, um, you know, it's, it's become even trickier and it's become even more easy now. Like, I love technology. I think technology is great. It's allowing me to speak with you. It's allowing me to, you know, FaceTime um, a, a sibling who lives overseas. Uh, we get to learn different things. We get to see what's happening in, you know, Ukraine right now. But yeah. it's also an avenue that predators would use to abuse children. And so because that's an avenue, we need to think differently about how we approach things. How, how does a parent, Rue, talk to their kid, you know, when, when they decide to go ahead and spend, you know, 1200 bucks and give them an iPhone or, or an Android device and say, <laughs> here you go, have fun, you know, uh, show me your funny snaps. How do they protect them from these predators? That's a great question. I have a teen and I have two tweens and they have cell phones. And, you know, we put some training wheels on them. So they didn't start out with, having access to everything, right? In the beginning, they could just text family members. And yeah. then it was, okay, now you can text and listen to podcasts and listen to audiobooks and play a game. And then we kind of, you know, we let them show us that they're responsible. It's not, here's your phone, have fun on TikTok and Snapchat and good luck. You know, um, we have really open and honest conversations about what happens online. As a parent, I kind of liken it to the sex talk. You don't have the sex talk once with your kids. You yeah. have it frequently. It's a, it's a topic of conversation. And so uh, cell phone safety is also a topic of conversation in our house as well. Like uh, Undercover Underage was originally going to be TVMA. And one of the reasons why we really wanted it to be TV14 is because we were hoping that some adults could watch it with their teenagers and it would be great you know, it would be a great starter for discussion around online safety. Do you think, and my comments at the beginning of the show were, you know, like, oh, well, you know, maybe it's just, just for the parents to watch. Is it important for somebody maybe 14, 15 to, to sit down with the parents and understand and watch this? I think so, and here's why. Your kids already know that it's happening. That's true. They, like, yeah. they are, they're already aware. They're already in high school. They already understand. Maybe not to what extent. Maybe not uh, to the pervasiveness of it. Maybe not to how malicious these people are. But, you know, they're 
it's not their cell phone. Their friend's cell phones have stuff on them, right? Like they're on uh, different apps and people are reaching out to them. So I do think it's important. And I've had parents say that it has been a great tool in teaching about online safety. Um, you know, and your mileage may vary on, on what you think is appropriate for your kids. Some yeah. parents have their 12-year-olds watch it, some not until they're 14. So, um, you know, maybe screen it first. <laughs> That's actually a good point, too. You could always watch it first and then go back and watch it with them. Well, and on the tech end of it, you're an advisor to Spectrum Labs. They they work yes. to help keep kids safe, you know, online through text and even audio moderation. Because people have people have face-to-face. FaceTime is so easy to use. Or Skype or any of the other services. They could just suddenly pull up a video and there's the person there. Oh, right. Yeah, and, and one thing that's great about Spectrum and to really dig into the tech here, we take our conversations and the grooming patterns and the language that we see. And we, we you know, remove all the PII, all the personally identifiable information, and we give it to the data scientists at Spectrum Labs. And they use that to train their artificial intelligence in order to better detect signs of child abuse. And Spectrum works with companies that are like social media apps, gaming apps, dating apps, because I think these companies are starting to realize that the on- there is an onus on them to keep their user base safe, especially yeah. if they're opening up their platforms to 13 and up. I'll tell you, some of the stuff that you go through, Rue, like, I, you know, I watched the, the episode last week. <laughs> like, somebody needs to give that lady a hug. I mean, the stuff that you, because, you know, you're you're in there for listeners that haven't seen it. I want you to watch it. You're, you're a 15-year-old girl from 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 what your character that you're 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 representing as a 15-year-old girl and these people are doing these things of video chat and sending you this stuff and it's like i can't imagine a 15-year-old child seeing this it's it and this is sadly what happens yeah i mean it's probably i'm sure it's painful for some people to watch me go through it because you can see me react but oh, yeah. i'm an adult you know i'm i'm almost middle age and i have access to therapy and support and Good. a cute little kitten that keeps me company <laughs> but imagine if it was actually i mean it's actually happening to teenagers and and better me than a teenager but what's happening is so many kids are afraid to talk to a caring adult about it because they don't want to be shamed yeah. and so a lot of these kids are dealing with this kind of quietly and secretively because like it is, what is online online abuse? Like nobody actually put their hands on me, but they're still being abused, and yeah. that's the thing with technology. Now you don't have to be in the same room or state or country as a kid in order to abuse them. Now I have noticed that the show has gone to to lengths to number one, you know, hide the voice of the the perpetrator, which mm-hmm. makes it even creepier. But they do that. I mean, it's creepy as it is, but, but, and then, and then, you know, you kind of protect the identity. Although, you know, I've been, I'm, I watch ID channel. So I go online, I find out, okay, that's that person or that's that person. Is that, was that kind of a a, a legal decision to do just to protect maybe uh, ID or SOSA or it was just to say, listen, this exists in many people out there. So it's not just this one person. You know, we really believe in due process and we want to continue to have the respect and support of you know law enforcement and prosecutors. And, you know, we want these perpetrators that get caught to go through the proper processes. And that includes a trial, you know, that's, that's their right. Yeah, that's and true. so what we don't want to do is splash their name and face everywhere because everyone still deserves the right to a trial. And we, we feel strongly about that. Now, getting arrested is one thing, but then after their sentence, you know, then it's, then it's, another yeah. um and we really want to let law enforcement do their thing so we're not we are not in the business of 
splashing that around. And I know we, we definitely get a lot of heat for, for that. But I also want to protect an investigation. I also don't want to um, be the one that borks a case because I just put myself through all of that. I don't want it to yeah. come to trial and be like, oh, well, you guys, you know, skewered him online. You obviously have a vendetta against him. Um, when that's certainly not the case, we are just looking for a better, safer internet for kids. So when parents get a chance to talk to you and ask you about the web and online safety, what seems to be the, the most general consensus of question? Parents will often ask me, well, what's a good app? What's a safe app? And the reality is any app can be used as a tool to abuse a child if there's an opportunity to communicate. So we've seen it on coloring book apps. We've seen it on words with friends. We've seen it on you know wow. gaming websites that are geared towards kids. There's no, I can't say these are all the safe ones. These are all the unsafe ones because that, you know, that's a false sense of security. I and mean, we have to be vigilant regardless. Like, you, have to, you know, what, what game is your kid playing on an iPad or on the Xbox? And are they communicating with someone? And, you know, that's, that's really important to think about because you could be playing a drawing game online and someone in the chat box will go, hey, does anyone uh, want to give me their Instagram handle? I can show you photos of my puppies. Oh, and that's man. like a modern day version of, hey, little girl, can you help me find my dog? Yeah. Oh, that, and it's not a creepy guy in a van. It's, it's you know, creepy guy on a keyboard is what, what it is. It's what you're running into. And it might not even uh, it, it might not even be a creepy guy. Like, he, he might be presenting as a, as a nice kid, a, a peer, or somebody who's, you know, I, I think a lot of this, a lot of the scary stuff that are surrounding this, the scary part is these aren't just, like caricatures of monsters you know they're not yeah i can't look at someone and go oh yeah that's definitely an online predator some of these men are family men or conventionally attractive or they have good jobs or they're respected community members and you know you saw episode three and there was a teacher involved so you know it could be really anyone it could be the person in front of you in line at the grocery store checkout so there's no rhyme or reason and and you know which is again why i'm very anti-victim blaming on this because yeah it's so it's so expensive if somebody comes across this rue this happens and uh and they're a parent and they suddenly have, have found images on you know their kids devices what should they do should they contact law enforcement they should absolutely contact law enforcement and you know you can always block someone who's harassing your kid but take screen grabs hand those over to law enforcement sometimes law enforcement will take over a kid's account and you know okay like give me your login and we can see what happens here um but yeah i would say definitely call law enforcement and you can also you know, file a tip with NCMEC, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Very important. All right, I have to ask you. Okay, first episode, I'm watching. And there's you're showing a, a wall of clocks. And I see the clocks. Yeah. And I see Tucson, Casa Grande. And I'm thinking, uh-oh. And and I said, they're they're working on it. Are, I, has there been a case in Arizona maybe we haven't seen yet? Can you tell me? Or, or do we, should I, we be I quiet? Cannot, I cannot share. I cannot share uh, beyond what what you've seen. I'm so sorry if that was jarring for the student under the clock. But you know, I got to keep my time zones right. I have to keep them. I have to keep my time zones straight. I can't say six o'clock when it's actually nine o'clock. You know? That's true. Oh my gosh, that, that would that's right. Because you're 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 you are being a detective at this point, and your crew they're great. Every single one of them they they all work together. You all work great. 
they're all on top of it. They they know like, okay, I'm going to look this up. I'm going to look this up to, to really find the identity of this person. We have to keep our story straight. We have to do the research. If somebody says, oh, what time do you get out of school? I have to remember that I'm this decoy who lives in this town who goes to this high school. And we've already discovered that she gets, we've already discovered the school schedule. So I can very quickly say, oh, I get out of school at 153. Man, quick that's thinking. That's important because that's part of the trust building. Absolutely. All right. So also I want our listeners to check out sosatogether.org, S-O-S-A together.org. And I want them to watch this show on ID channel, uh, Investigation Discovery. Uh, it is Undercover Underage. RuPaul, it is so great to talk to you. Now, I know we're six episodes has, have you heard from the network yet? Uh, maybe could there be more? Uh, keep your fingers crossed. They are, definitely. And I hope we get a chance to talk again. And thank you for the work you're doing and to the entire crew that you work with. Thank you. I'll pass it along. And thank you so much for having me. Very cool. Rube Powell, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with more of Tech Talk Radio. And now, back to Tech Talk Radio. So we've been talking, I know the last couple of weeks we've talked about varying various video games. Def Justin last week talked about Elden, Elden Ring, not Elder Ring. Um, <laughs> and that game has been wildly successful. Everybody's talking been, about it. It's, it's great. I haven't played it yet. Um, I've been told it's really great. I've had some friends that have played it. It's been really great. You know, the crazy thing is, you know, I built this this rig because I thought, oh, I'm going to have you know better graphics card. I had a hard time finding that. And I thought I was going to be playing some like really cool games. I've been really wanting to get into um, Microsoft Flight Simulator because they just keep adding stuff to it all the time. Um, and I want to have some time to play some of these, you know, big, huge role-playing games. But I know they take a lot of time. But I know that there, there's something pretty big that was like just unveiled today. For those of you who are looking for that that game that you've always played, that you've always been excited about, there's... Always new content for World of Warcraft, right? So we had this Apple event. Andy and I were watching this Apple event this last weekend. Well, I was also trying to watch the release of some of the new content for World of Warcraft. So uh, if you're watching on the web, I have it pulled up right now. I've got it set up where I'm watching several different streamers play the new mythic content for World of Warcraft. And these are streamers uh, on Twitch, right? These are streamers on Twitch. They're part of a guild called Limit. Um, I, I watch a lot of these because I will never play this content. I will never get to this level of content. This is the the hardest part of the game. It's the, the hardest end game content. Uh, it takes too much time and effort to get there, but these are guys that play professionally and things like that. So I, I it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch these guys, their strategies and stuff. But they did something new for this that they haven't done in, in several expansions is they didn't public test some of these bosses. So the public has not seen some of these bosses and some of the strategies and some of the abilities that these bosses have. So it'll be interesting to see their strategies and, and kind of learning how the fights go and stuff like that. So if you're into world of Warcraft, this is kind of a big thing for you. It's the, called the race to world first. It's uh, the event when the, the, the event goes live and guilds all try to get back to the, get kill the bosses first and get, get to the end game content first. So there's, there's a lot of money involved for sponsorships and streamers and stuff for, for that, but um, it's a lot of fun to watch. So. For our listeners who don't know, they pl maybe they, they've played a video game before. Maybe they've played the basic video game. Maybe they play Words with Friends. Who knows? But if, if, if they play a game and they run into a boss, this isn't their boss who walks around with a cup of coffee asking you to do menial tasks in the office. A boss is usually like the toughest person to overcome in a video game, right? 
I mean, yeah. So, and it's it's complicated because this is the, uh, called a massively multiplayer online game, an MMO. So there are up to potentially thirty other people playing this game with you at the same time, trying to kill the same boss. And there are things you have to avoid. If you're watching our stream right now, it looks complicated. It looks very complicated. I'm lost. Right? Yeah. Uh, there are certain roles characters have to do. There are healers. There are people that take a lot of damage. There are people that deal a lot of damage, and, and they're struggling to learn the strategies and and, and follow along. But um, it this is not for probably the majority of our listeners, right? Yeah, that's uh, the, that the majority of our intense. listeners probably like the New York Times crossword puzzles and other <laughs> puzzle type games. Wordle. This is, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that because I mean I love playing Wordle and then on my phone, I play Toon Blast. I got words with friends. That's uh that's a lot of fun, but, but who is this world of Warcraft kind of really geared at? This is for people that enjoy complex, uh, challenging, stressful video games. So. Wow. That looks pretty amazing. Who is this Twitch streamer? I want to give them credit. Of course. Who was that uh, one? So I'm watching a couple different ones right now. So this is all from, uh, there's a couple Members of the Lick, Lick, they're called Liquid Team Liquid. They're uh, an esports organization. Um, Maximum from Limit is also on there. This is his. This is his stream here. Uh, looks like he just got kicked out of the server. <laughs> uh, but this is t- Team Liquid. I, I said right. Team Limit. This is Team Liquid. Um, they're kind of considered one of the top World of Warcraft guilds and teams in, in the world. So. Um, he actually isn't playing right now. He's watching the other members of his team's streams, and he is called the raid leader. He's actually helping okay. call out commands and call out, do this, don't do that, don't stand there, don't get hit by that, um, things like that. So, so here's the thing. You know, if you're listening to this, you're thinking, I want to, I want to try out some of these games, but you don't want to plunk down sixty, seventy dollars before you actually give a game a try. One of, one of the things to do, take a look at some of the uh, streamers that are on Twitch. So you go on to Twitch, you see some of the game streams. You'll be able to really get a feel for the game, how complex it is. Um, you know, what what the gameplay is like, what the graphics are like. Now, you got to remember, some of these gamers that are on there are playing, like, the toughest levels. Like, we're, we're seeing in some of the stuff that Sean is, is showing us. But it does give you a feel for that. I know that YouTube has them, Facebook uh, as well. So it's a great way to get a feel for that. Now, if somebody decides, you know, maybe they've never played World of, of Warcraft and they want to give it a shot and they've watched some streams, like where where can they get this from, Sean? Uh, it's available from Blizzard. All right. So you can just go to blizzard.com, uh, World of Warcraft, and you can actually play. Uh, they have a free version that you can play, but you can only play up to like level 20. Uh, and then you can subscribe, but they do have a free version if you're interested in playing it. Um, but the this is the end of the most recent expansion. So after this tier, they call them tiers, right? So after this tier, they're will they're announcing the new expansion sometime in April, and then it'll probably be available in in the end in, in the fourth quarter of this year. All right, so Blizzard.com is the website to go to. We got to take another quick break. When we come back, though. We've got our website of the week. If you play Wordle, there's some other options out there for you. We'll tell you about that when we come back. In the meantime, I want to remind you, uh, we do have a YouTube page. So if you want to check out Tech Talk Radio on YouTube, you can catch out segments uh, from the show, see some of the stuff that Sean has been talking about in this week's show, as well as you know our TV segments we do for Fox 11. I'll tell you what, coming up this week, if you like driving games, you're going to love it. Because on Monday... 
I'm going to be showing the new Thrustmaster T248. Justin got himself one. He's been talking about it. If you want to enhance your gameplay, Thrustmaster, they make it certainly possible for you to do that. That'll be Monday in the 8 o'clock hour, 8 a.m. Uh, in the meantime, we'll be back with more of Tech Talk Radio. And now, back to Tech Talk Radio. So, I don't know. Have you been playing uh, Wordle at all? Have you done it? Uh, K- Caitlin has. She's been playing Wordle. It's it's a lot of fun. You do it now on the New York Times, of course, took it over. And some people complain they make the words too hard. But I'm just, I have a, a great time doing it. Well, there was some uh, statistics that came out this past week, which I thought was kind of crazy. Most people will get the Wordle word, word in about 3.9 tries. So on average, four, I think is what it is. When you get it in two, it's pretty amazing because it means that you guessed in the first one, got close. The second one was pretty evident what the word was going to be. I don't know anybody that's got it on one. That would mean just a great guess. However, some people are trying to be show-offs, and what they're doing is they're cheating. There's actually websites that are out there that will give up the word. And I tested it out last night after I had finished uh, the word for last night. I started going online and I found this is, you know, this is a hint. They give you a hint. And then if you don't know, you keep scrolling down. There's the word. And um, it kind of takes the fun out of all of it. But that's what people are doing with with Wordle, which has, of course, been kind of viral. Now there's one called Hurdle, uh, H-E-R-D-L-E or H-E-A-R-D-L-E. And that one, it plays you a clip of a song. And you have to determine, okay, and then you guess. And if it's not, you move to the next one. And you get so many tries, just like Wordle does. And then, How does that work with licensing? Uh, you know, I kind of wondered about that. It's just a little two-second clip, and then eventually, you, you know, you get to the end, you've got 16 seconds. So have, can you? I did it. I didn't get it in time. Because it's a song, that most recent song. Then the one that I really liked. Uh, and uh, again, this is a lot of fun. If you do play it, it's called Quartle. It's Q-U-O-R-D-L-E.com. You basically have four puzzles. Four Wordle puzzles. You guess what the word is, of course, and it will get, take your guess to the other four puzzles. And then you really work on one square at a time. You work at one one puzzle. And then whatever you guess will be applied to the next one. And then you use whatever you failed or whatever you whatever worked within that puzzle as well. So you got four. So if you just have fun doing it, and after one Wordle, you're like, oh, I don't like that. Or, or I want to do more. I want to do another one. We try Quartal. That'll give you four opportunities to actually play. And it's it's a lot of fun. So there's the, there you go. Just go to Quartal, Q-U-O-R-D-L-E.com. And that is our website of the week. Awesome. Yeah, no, I, the Wordle thing's fun. Caitlin still plays every week. I think she challenges her mom and her dad and a couple of her friends to it. And whoever gets it first, it they have fun with it. But I, I lost interest in it. Yeah. They need to come up with a tackle where, you know, it's it's tech terms. That are done. Or they need to come up with one that is just abbreviations for things in the tech world. Oh. And people get quizzed on abbreviations. That's actually really good. That could be a lot of fun. Well, uh, hopefully Justin will be back next week. I'll safe and sound. We can find out about his trip. We'll also find out about a build, that build that you did on the uh, AMD. Maybe we could uh, put it through some uh, test paces. Yeah, I'd like to get it through some tests. I think I think we can do it without a GPU and get a decent 720p stream out of it if you have an email drop us a line tech guys at techtalkradio.com that's techtalkradio.com have yourselves a great week i'm andy taylor i'm sean deweird 
and we will talk with you next week. Thanks for listening.